At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at his name. He is a wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. church family. I'm Trent Langhofer, minister of WFR Church. Right now is our meet and greet time in service. One thing we love to do as a church family is shake each other's hands, say hello, and get a little bit better connected. If you are ever in our neck of the woods, we would absolutely love for you to get to participate in this time with us. We'd love to shake your hand, put a face with some of the names that we see interacting with us on social media, and welcome you into our church family. Uh, sometimes that just may not be possible. And if it's not in your case, we still want the opportunity to serve you and encourage you. Uh, two great ways for us to do that. Number one, you can connect with us on social media. And number two, you can send us an email to let us know what your specific need is. That email address is info at wfrchurch.org. Uh, if we can pray with you about anything, offer you some encouragement, maybe you've got a biblical question that you'd like for us to answer, it would be our joy to have the opportunity to interact with those things in your life. Uh, take a minute to shoot us an email. Take a minute to interact with us on social media. Take an opportunity to pray for us, and we would absolutely love the opportunity to pray for you. I hope the services today will be a blessing to you, and we pray God's blessing over you in the name of Jesus. We're all searching for
and mighty God, don't we? Amen. The splendor of a king, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, it trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Yes, sing with me. How great, how great is our God. And all the works, how great, how great is our God. And age to age he stands. And time is sin. Beginning and the end, beginning and the end, the Godhead three and one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb, how great is our God. Stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim, My God, how great thou art. Then sink my soul, my sacred God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And then sink my soul, my sacred God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, how great is our God. Yes, sing with me, how great, how great is our God, and all will sing, how great, how great is our God, how great. We do something here every week, and if you're visiting with us, I want you to know, participate, okay? To what some people call the Lord's Supper, some call communion, uh, some call gathering at the Lord's table. You know, the Lord's table, it's, it's His table, not mine, right? 
And he invites us all to be a part of it. So we do this thing, communion, which we'll be doing in just a little bit. And when we take the bread and the blood, those symbols of that, we, we remember the greatest story ever told about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Don't lose the power just because it's a simple story, right? And remember, you and I, because of Jesus, we are blood, what? Kin. We're blood kin. All because of that great, great story that the world sets aside today as a resurrection story, but we know it as much, much more as it permeates everything we do in life. Okay? Watch this. supposed to be the end. What is it about the cross? We sing songs about it. We wear it as jewelry. We tattoo it on our bodies. Why do we celebrate the very thing that killed our Savior? Perhaps it's because we know the cross is a symbol symbol of sacrifice, a symbol of hope, a symbol of victory. But the cross itself wasn't enough. If Jesus had gone to the cross and the story had ended there, our story would have ended too. But there was more to come. Desperation became hope. The bondage was set free. Defeat is now victory. Death is now life. Today we celebrate the empty tomb. He is risen. just the beginning. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the new beginnings that we all have because of Jesus. For those new mercies every morning. But, Father, for, for the hope that we have because of the resurrection, to know that these old bodies, uh, as broken down as they get and as miserable as they get at times, we know that this is not the end, that one day everybody will be coming out of the ground. And we'll take this time of communion. We'll celebrate with Jesus. We'll take the cup with him and we'll spend time together as a family. But between now and then, Father, help us to proclaim and be nourished enough to proclaim this news every day of the story of the death, burial, and resurrection. You have blessed us, Father, with so many physical things, so many spiritual blessings, so many opportunities for folks to get this good news. Help us to be wise and to be discerning and to get this story that we're reminded of today out to as many people as possible. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.
We gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving Son, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Forgiveness and embrace. 
my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your today we'll do a little preaching a little more singing a little more preaching a little more singing you know I love to to worship I love to sing the great thing about being in God's family it doesn't say you have to sing good you just have to sing right isn't that great now when I get to heaven I'm going to have some great voice like you know Tommy's that's you know real pretty and high and uh and they won't think that I'm a woman ordering at the pickup thing. But, I mean, that did happen one time. But uh, you think about heaven. I couldn't help but think about this little comic strip. Here's old, these two guys, Dennis and Minnesota. I love this guy. <clears throat> if heaven is that pretty on the bottom, think how it must look on top. you got to like that guy, right? I don't have any idea how this is going to look on the top. But I know there will be a lot of changes in heaven, right? And we're going to talk about uh, uh, being redeemed. We're going to look at this verse out of Exodus and, and the need to be redeemed. This, this, this first point we want to really make. But, but 
In heaven, our whole vocabulary changes. You never hear the word cancer. Won't that be good? A really good friend of mine got that word this last Thursday. We prayed together about it. We've talked to him. He got that word. It's kind of a scary word, isn't it? There'll never be the word hospital. I mean, just think how the vocabulary will change. There won't even be the words of my wife did something, will there? There's no marriage gift. Now, I know that some of you, that's disappointing. Other you are excited. I don't know which side you're on. But we got a group for that, whatever it is. But our need here, because of our own rebellion, is much like the needs of God's people has always been. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. This is the section of scripture that this series has been working out of the last few weeks about Passover and about the cups and all those things. And this is, this is about redeem in this verse. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and, this is interesting, with mighty acts of judgment. You know, redeeming is buying back. It's bringing someone back close to. It's reconciling. But redeeming never happens without judgment too. Do I have this need? Sin? Sure, I need that, that need to take care of. Condemnation? Guilt? Shame? How many miles? How much mileage does Satan get out of that one? Slaves? That's what the Exodus folks were. They were enslaved. Some of you know what it's like to be enslaved. I'm not talking about physically. You, you know what it's like. You had a particular sin or an addiction and it's enslaved you and it's just eat you up inside. You know what it was like to have been enslaved. We try to fix it ourselves time and time again. How many times when you're dealing with your own sin have you said, this, this is the last time? How many last times have you had? I don't know about you. I've had a lot of last times. You know, I'm never going to do this again. And then I'm like, I'm doing it again. I'm like, okay, this is the last time. Really, God, this is the last time. You reckon how many times God has heard this is the last time from somebody? We try, but the answer is not our trying. We can't fix our sin. There's a need there that we cannot take care of. The psalmist says you need a broken and contrite heart. You need humility. We are born into this world. While we're born innocent, we're all still impacted by sin. And it's done its number. And we all have that same great need. We are incomplete. We are unsatisfied. We have a need to be met. Father in heaven, we do ask you to bless us as we learn more and more about how you redeem us. We pray, Father, for wisdom. We pray for discernment. We pray for strength. We pray, Father, for hearts in this audience today to be open. I pray, Father, for honesty in looking at my own life. I pray, Father, I would give up that lie that Satan has given me that says somehow or another I can fix it when I know nothing but your grace can take care of it. And for that, we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Here I am, O God, I bring this sacrifice, my open heart. I offer up my life, I look to you, Lord, your love that never ends, restores me again, so I lift my
Exodus chapter 12, you remember the story of the Passover. They were told what to do with the blood of the lamb. He says, Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And on that same night, I'll pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Aren't you grateful for the blood? We've seen that old song, there's power in the blood and there really is because you remember later on in the book of Matthew chapter 26 verse 26 and 28 Jesus gets ready with the disciples and he says something about the blood here they're eating and he takes the bread and and he gives thanks and he breaks it and he he gives it to his disciples and, and and he tells them about remembering his body and then he takes a cup and he gives thanks and he gives it to them and he says drink from it all of you this is my here's our word blood it's the blood of the covenant we have a promise that's been poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins you know we got a promise from Jesus. Now this sounds odd, but so many times we get caught up in believing the lies of Satan over the promises of God. This is amazing. I find myself doing this in my own heart and mind sometimes. Now you think about uh, uh, the lies Satan gives you. Before you were a Christian, Paul says in Ephesians, you were what? Dead in your sins. Now Satan comes along while you're dead in your sins and says, hey look. You're not really dead. You're alive. On Friday, it's really a good Friday. You get your paycheck, and you run out here to the bar, and you run out here to the party, and you run out here to the entertainment line. I mean, you're going to have life. If I can just get my money, I'll have great life. I, there's life out there to be had. I'm, I'm, I'm living it. I mean, I'm doing, the, I'm doing really what I want to do. I can have all the immorality I want. I mean, he, Satan says there's life. Yet the reality of it, you are dead. Now, I want you to watch how he works. Because you become a Christian, and now because of the blood of Jesus, which First John says continually cleanses your sin as you walk in the light. Remember, it's about direction, not perfection, right? So as you're walking in the light, and you stump your toe and you sin, guess what the lie Satan says? Now, he says what? You're dead. You're not alive. Now, before he's saying, hey, you're alive, when the reality was you're dead. Now he's saying, oh, you're really dead, but in reality, you're really alive. 
But how many of us bought into Satan's lie in our early Christianity and walked around doubting our salvation, not having any assurance at all, because we were worried about every time we stumped our toe and say a bad word, I better hurry up and say a prayer and push it on up to heaven and get forgiveness, because I, if I have a car wreck in the middle of that word, I'm, I'm, I'm history, right? Matter of fact, if I could just die with a communion cup in one hand, bread in the other, and just take it right before I go, I'm good. Better yet, drown me when you baptize me. I know I'll be there. We buy the lie. The blood and the promise of forgiveness in Christ's covenant, it, it meets our need. And it continues to meet our need. Do not buy the lie of Satan. It really is true. His blood is enough. That's why we can sing such great old songs like this next one because of the blood of Christ. Our need has been met in Christ. Let's stand. We're going to start this song without the, without the worship team. They said they'd like to have a chance to hear you, so we're going to make that happen right here, okay? When peace and at my way, when sorrows like sea bellows roll, whatever my lot thy thought make say, it is well.
I remember walking into my house. I have two older brothers. When I was a kid, you try to get to the fridge before everybody else hit it, you know. I went in there, opened up the door. I was hot and tired, and I wanted to swallow a milk. And uh, I know my brother's probably listening. He'll probably tell, tell on me when he sees my mom. But, <clears throat> you know, we just grabbed a carton, and I just took a drink out of it. Don't tell nobody. But I just took a drink, you know. I went in there, I grabbed that carton with so much anticipation, and guess what? It was empty. Who puts an empty carton back in the refrigerator anyway? Shame on you for doing that. It was empty. Sometimes it's the milk carton that's empty. It's not the huge thing. Sometimes it's the whole fridge is empty. You can't really feed your family like you really like to. Sometimes... Sometimes it's your uh, marriage that's empty. You've been in it a while and all of a sudden, you know, distance grows and there's an emptiness there. Sometimes it's your bank account that's empty. Sometimes it's your heart that's empty. Sometimes it's the emptiness and your kids are off and, and apart and in the world where you really don't want them to be. And that's a deeper emptiness there, right? But it's amazing that the answer to all the emptiness in our life is something else that was empty. The empty grave. That empty grave solves all the other emptiness situations in our life. Because all of a sudden there's hope. So I, I don't know what you brought in here today and what you're sitting with or what's your face when you go home, but I mean, if there's, any, if there's some spots in your life that are empty, I've got some good news for you. He didn't just die to save you from your sin. He come out of the ground and is sitting at God's right hand to help us live that John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to its fullest. You can have a full life of joy and a life of contentment amongst all the troubles that are going on. Because of the empty grave. That's just good news. You see, because when he satisfies a problem, he goes overboard, right? Romans 5.15 says, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if one, the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more? By the way, that's a phrase in Romans 5. You ought to just go underline with your highlighter or pen or whatever. Much more. How much more did... God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. Overflow. I love that word. Overflow to many. From empty to overflow. God's grace overflows. It's more than enough. Got it? Early in Romans 5 he says... If Christ died for the ungodly, look, if he died for you when you didn't care and you were sinning and you didn't even, I mean, you didn't bother you one bit. If Christ looked down and loved you and died for you then, how much more will he be behind you when you're trying to live right? 2 Corinthians 8, 2. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their, uh, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They were in a tough situation. They're suffering. They hadn't got anything. And yet the joy of their life was just overflowing. God made overflowing joy in their life in the middle of a tough, tough situation. Then Romans fifteen thirteen. I like this verse. Because here he says there's overflowing hope. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflowing hope. You know, it is one of the best things to see someone find that. I mean, it's an exciting thing to me. There was an old outlaw. I mean, he was literally an old outlaw. lived in South Texas. Outside of Uvalde, as you head toward Corrizo Springs. Right, Tommy? There was an old outlaw down there, an old rancher, and he'd settled down there in an old trailer. And he had cancer and he was dying. And my buddy Ray Melton and I go down there to visit him. His name was Chris. And he knows he ain't got much time. He's already got, he's got a tracheotomy already and he's got a hole in his stomach. And uh, uh, he's got a cork in one and he covers the other up when he talks. And we had shared the gospel with him. And that day, he told me, he said, Mike, and I want you to tell people this. He said, tell them. He said, I don't know why I did it. I waited so long. I could have had so much. You know, I could have given my kids and grandkids a hope. I could, and I, I waited. I, they tell people, don't wait till they're dying to come to Jesus. That's what he told me to tell you. That's why I'm telling you. He told me to tell them that story. So I, I held a... I think it was a Ziploc bag and a handkerchief over one hole. Ray held the other one. And we stepped outside his trailer into it. There was a horse trough we filled full of water. And we baptized old Chris and raised him up. That Tuesday he experienced Christ. And the next Tuesday we buried him again. I'm telling you. Burying someone a second time is nothing when you've buried them the first time. How exciting. Somehow or another, I don't know why God let me see that and be a part of that. I got to be a part of seeing a guy come to Jesus and then go to Jesus all within seven days. Overflowing hope is what we have through the story of the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus. And that's what you can have. Easter's not about coming to church one Sunday and dressing up and looking good. I mean, I know I look good, but that's not what it's about, right? No, I, I didn't get one amen out of that whole, that whole thing, not one. Sorry, sorry, Susan, I can't help it if you made a bad deal. I mean, what, but what, it's not about one day. It's about eternity And we celebrate an overflowing hope, overflowing grace, overflowing joy because of the simplicity of the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Don't get wrapped up in a hundred other religious things and activities. Keep it simple. You remember in the Bible, they take the gospel to their existing world. Romans says they, they they went to every nation. And they didn't even have all the Bible yet. So some of those things you're reading and fighting about with other people, it ain't even been written yet. They're taking the gospel of the world. Come, so come on, don't get too caught up in other stuff, right? Keep it focused. It's about Jesus and what he's done for us and what he can do for the lives of other people. And when you get to be a part of that, I mean, it's the most exciting thing in the world. When you think somehow or another, all my mess ups and my mistakes, yet God still helped me be a part of someone else finding Because that's how he chose to find people. It's simply one beggar telling another beggar where to get the bread of life. That's Christianity. If you want that today, you can have it. We're going to sing a song of invitation. It's our tradition here. You can come down and be baptized into Christ today. Start brand new. If you need to get something out of your mind, off your heart, we'll be down here to pray with you to, to have new mercies every morning. And look, we're all in the same boat together. There ain't nobody here better, more valuable than anybody else in the kingdom. I don't care if you walked in the door for the first time today or if you've been coming here for 50 years. Everybody in Christ has the same need, the same blood cleanses us, and the same overflowing hope fills us. That's why we're a forever family.
tied to one another. And we can't wait till we get to heaven and sing and praise. And you know, we get to do two things in heaven I love eat and sing. <laughs> and I don't want you to miss out on being there. So if you have a need, why don't you uh, come while together? We're going to stand and, and sing this song. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see. It's what the Lord has done in me. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I Oh, 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 oh,